Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with inspirational speaker, leadership and relationship coach, Daryl Williams. He brings extensive experience as a master certified life coach and a member of the Federal Coaching Network. He is an inspirational speaker and certified facilitator who provides clients with expertise in the realm of leadership, relationships, and purpose. His leadership background includes 30 years of federal service highlighted by his induction into the White House Communications Agency Hall of Fame. Following the tragedies of September 11, 2001, Daryl was selected as one of five key leaders from 30 senior managers to direct emergency action communications for the Vice President of the United States to include duties as an Air Force II command representative. He's got a lot of great stories. Enjoy this interview. Right on. Daryl, it's great to meet you. You have a fascinating story, and I'm just I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. So before we get into your life and, and what makes you who you are, the last three years on the planet with the pandemic and going through COVID has been quite a thing and it's worked on all of us in its own very specific way. And I'm curious how you survived that time period, got through it, and how it's changed the way that you live your life and conduct business now that the world's kind of waking up. Not that necessarily the, the disease is gone, but the fact that humans are, again, getting back after it. No, good question. So uh, two things that helped me get through COVID. One, uh, I had no choice because, one, I'm a leader in the community, right? So I do a lot of stuff in the community. And I'm also a leader at my uh, organization. So we were kind of like on the front lines of, okay, how are we going to get through this? Uh, what steps are we going to take? Uh, what are the following steps? How are we gonna, And we were already preparing, like, how do we bring them back? So for me, the way I got through it was just putting on my leadership hat and looking at, okay, what can I do to help everyone else? And if I'm helping everybody else, I'm hoping that that will take care of me at the same time. So in your capacity as a leader and obviously a giver, community leader, talk to me a little bit about, let's get to the essence of exactly what you do on a daily basis. And what I want to do is hypothetically put you in front of a bunch of grade school kids. Mm-hmm. second or third graders at a career day, one of the kids looks up at you and asks, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? Sure, I love that. So what I tell them is what I do for a living is I work in military human resources, uh, which basically takes care of any type of administrative things for military members who are supporting the Department of Defense all over the world. And my job is to take care of them so they can take care of the bad guys online or on the front line whenever they're using um, equipment from the Defense Information Systems Agency. Uh, so, again, not speaking for the agency, but just as myself, that's one of the things that I do. Uh, I take care of the people that take care of us. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, when you were in the third grade, what did you want to be? What was your dream? Oh, it's interesting. Real clear. When I was in the third grade, I wanted to be an architect. For some reason, I was drawing buildings and thought it'd be great. And as I got older, I realized I am not a good drawer. <laughs> That's interesting. So, let you know, capacity. Whenever you talk to anybody that's dealing with the White House and defense and big things, you're on, you're on the top of the food chain as far as our federal government's concerned. How did that happen? How did you get to the point of where you're at, and how has it made you satisfied and, and happy in your profession? 
Sure. Uh, what got me there, um, first of all, was joining the military. Uh, I joined the military right out of high school, even Compton High. Uh, picked the field of human resources. And then what I found out was there's a thing in the military called special assignments, right? So instead of going to the normal Fort Bragg, Fort Hood, Fort Carson, kind of going a different path where you have a security clearance, and once you get tagged with that clearance, the government likes to get their money's worth by sending you to positions where those clearances will be utilized. So that really just changed the whole trajectory of my career. Why I ended up leaving Germany, I went to the Pentagon. And then while I was at the Pentagon supporting them in the HR capacity, the White House Communications Agency was having a, I guess, kind of like a job fair at that time where, you know, they were interviewing possible candidates. And a friend of mine and I went, uh, went through the whole uh, situation there, and once we got through it, about a year later, I found out that I was on assignment uh, to the White House Communications Agency. So that's kind of how I got there. And once I got there, you find out that you're surrounded by the best of the best. So now it's like a whole other level of excellence where it's like, okay, whatever I did before, uh, kind of like uh, Marshall Goldsmith's book, you know, what got you here won't get you there. Uh, I have to do like a whole nother level of excellence, a whole nother level of leadership and learning and training and just putting all those things together. Um, you don't do it realizing that you're moving up to the top, but you just start looking around and you just realize like, hey, you know, I'm receiving these types of awards. The people I'm responsible for are growing and they're receiving awards and getting promoted. So it's just one of those things where you don't plan to do it, but you do the best of your ability, and you hope that by taking care of other people, uh, it's going to be good enough where people can recognize you as somebody that adds value. So the one thing about all of these things that make up who we are when we get older is things that happen in childhood. Where were you born and raised? What were some of the seeds that were planted into you that grew into who you are today? Great question. So I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas, but my dad... Uh, moved to Compton, California uh, when I was about one years old. So I actually grew up in Compton, and during the time frame that I grew up, uh, definitely that time, those who saw the movies Boys in the Hood or Straight Out of Compton, uh, that was the environment that I grew up in. So a lot of gang violence, a lot of drugs, and basically the streets just taught me survival mode, right? You know, keep your head on a swivel, uh Pay attention to your surroundings, know who you're with. And luckily, my mom uh, did a great job of raising us up um, in the church. So I had values um, that helped me make better decisions. Not that I was perfect, definitely made my share of mistakes. Um, but didn't make enough mistakes where it kept me from fulfilling my purpose in the future. So I think growing up in Compton really uh, it actually helped me. It didn't hurt me. It helped me because I had to learn at an early age, how do you navigate this type of surrounding, this type of environment, right? How do you get along with the drug dealers and the gangsters and still get education and not fall to the left or to the right, but stay on the narrow path that you're on? And I always tell kids when I go to the schools, because of the values that I had, uh, the drug dealers and the gangsters respected the fact that, hey, you know, this is who he is, and he kind of lived that every day. He's not phony or trying to pretend to be something that he's not. So because of that, they respected me. And I always shared the story of, you know, back then, you know, I had to shoot dice, right, for money. 
And I was the guy that when I walked by, they were like, hey, let him hold the money because we know he's um, kind of a good guy and not going to do anything stupid or crazy. In your life, who's been kind of a role model or a consistent hero for you? Oh, another good question. I would definitely say um, my mom and dad early on because, again, they taught me what selfishness looks like, um, leadership, right, taking care of others. So they were the first. And then once I joined the military, lots of different leaders that I was really fortunate um, to work under. And two of them that stand out, um, there was the Army Command Sergeant Major, Command Sergeant Major Sam Watkins. Um, and there was a warrant officer, uh, Mr. Stephen Smith. And those two individuals really impacted me because, one, they took me underneath their wings and then, became not just a mentor, but eventually it became a friend. And everything that I do, I can always look back and just say, okay, what would Steve or what would Sam do in this situation? So if you can meet one person alive on the planet right now and spend a little time with them, who do you think it would be? If I could spend time with anybody on the planet right now, who would it be? I think since I'm such a person that's into leadership, um, I would probably he's alive, right? It could be either. Yeah, it could be. Oh, either. oh, if it was either, oh, it's easy. It would definitely be uh, General Colin Powell. Um, I would just want to know, you know, the challenges that he dealt with on a day-to-day basis, and how he was still able to lead effectively while being respected by anyone and everyone that came in contact with him. Because it takes a certain type of person that can be respected from both sides of the aisle and the military uh, environment as well as the civilian um, environment. And just reading his books, um, it seems like he did that very well. You know, the thing that always gets me about, you know, individuals in your capacity is that you, you always do such a great job of being cognizant of the fact that there's not – a political line that you go right or left on Mm -hmm. or a political leaning. You have a duty to the country. How does that get fostered and developed and become ultimately your passion, no matter who's sitting in the Oval Office and no matter who's the majority in the the House and Senate? How does that work for you? So for us, it's, it's really easy because once you get briefed, that you're coming to an agency like the White House Communications Agency, um, I mean, it's pretty much drilled into you. We support the office of the president, right? And if you cannot do that, right, let them know, and they will send you back to your service because they don't have time to have people that cannot operate in that type of environment. And then once you're there, then you continue to hear that throughout your time while you're there. Uh, We work for the office of the president, and it's so interesting it was a couple of trips where, you know, we just set up communications prior to, you know, the president or the vice president arriving. And sometimes we would go to a place, you know, whether the airport or an intermediate place to set up um, information that would allow us to have, you know, our radio frequencies go at a larger distance. And we have to show our flip top or our credentials and say, hey, my name is so-and-so with the wireless communications. We love to use your top of your building to set up a um, – kind of an intermediate satellite, and they'd say, well, who did you vote for? 
right? Who are you working for? Uh, and we would tell them, sir, we work for the office of the president. So it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat, we would still have to set up this equipment because we're professionals and we want to make sure that we live up to what we're supposed to do. And they would say something to the effect of, Good answer. Okay, you can use our building. Here's the guy's name. Give him a a call. Tell him that, you know, you have my okay to do this. And and we really had to not just say it, but we had to live that because, again, if you try to, you know, sway one way or the other, uh, you jeopardize what you stand for. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think most people look at the military as a way of keeping order and peace in the world. Yes. And at the end of the day, that's kind of your your resin detriment to a good degree. That has to be – do you ever kind of fall under the weight of how heavy that is? Do you ever kind of pull back and say, wow, this is this is heavy. I'm keeping things at a peaceful place, and I got a big responsibility. Or have you been doing it for so long that's just kind of a part of your DNA? Uh, definitely. You do it so long that it becomes a part of your DNA. But every now and then, especially when you do the annual um, alumni reunions and you get to share war stories, that's when you really realize, like, oh, my gosh, you know, there are snipers shooting at the plane that night. You know, we could have been taken out or, you know, something like that. But when you're going through it, I was telling people before, it's almost like a merry-go-round. You don't realize how fast it's going until you get off of it, and you're like, holy smokes, that was crazy. And you did that for years. And even when I retired out of the military and I started working for the government, you know, just still supporting um, our military members, um, my old job, I got rid of my cell phone, and my new job, I ended up getting another cell phone, and I support, you know, individuals in, you know, Europe and Japan and places like that. And I just remember my wife one morning when I got off the phone talking to somebody, kind of working through a situation. She just looked at me with a smirk like, you like this, don't you? You feel like you're back in the game. I know you do. I know you like this. And deep <laughs> down, it was, she was right. It's like I love taking care of people. I love doing it under pressure. I love figuring out, you know, hey, this hasn't been done before. How, how can we work through it? It, it? It's just a natural adrenaline rush. And, again, what makes it so great is you're doing it to support someone else. So it's never any type of self-satisfaction, but it's more of, look what we accomplished. You almost sound like a jazz musician. You're getting thrown into the unknown. You've got to deal with improv, and you've got to make it look good. That is a fact. You are right on the money with that. That is so, so <laughs> true. So ultimately, every day we get out of bed, we have motivators that get us through the day and get us to do what we want to do with our lives. What's your motivator? What's your chief motivator to do the work you do? I think for me, uh, one of my main motivators really is my faith because it grounds me. It continues to remind me of my values. And then I'm the type of person where I just use the principles of it. And then wherever I go to work, whoever I'm dealing with, I let that help me with all of my decisions, whether I'm a father, a husband, a leader, a friend. I'm very cognizant of, hey, who do I need to pay attention to today? What story do I need to listen to so that somebody can walk away with me and say something to the effect of, man, I was so glad I ran into you today. Uh, now i got a better option. I feel good about my decision. I, I think I know where I'm going next, and I think that's what motivates me. 
of all of the things that you've done in your life up to this point, what are you the proudest of? I think professionally, uh, the proudest thing I uh, where uh, it kind of really makes me smile is being inducted into the White House Communications Agency Hall of Fame because to know that I was already standing on the shoulders of greats, um, for someone or a group of people to say, what you've done represents, resembles, uh, continues to look like what those who operated at the top of their professional careers were doing, we see that in you. I mean, to me, that was it. Drop the mic. There's nothing else professionally I need to do with my life. Everything else is truly for someone else because that was the epitome for to be recognized by your peers for such a high award. Uh, that was very fulfilling. So if you were to have a dream tonight, you ran into the 20-year-old version of yourself, and you could give mm-hmm. that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life. What would you tell your young version? Oh, easily. The first thing I would say is don't rush through the journey of life, because sometimes we're so quick to find the next, grow up, get older. And I would tell that 20-year-old, hey, just enjoy the journey. Yes, it's going to be some bruises and you're going to get knocked down, but it's all a part of where you're going. Um, the other thing I would tell myself is continue to surround yourself with positive people because not everybody can see your vision. Not everybody can get with your dream of where you're going. But if you're around other positive people, they probably have a similar vision, a similar goal, and you can kind of have some shared uh, conversations there. And then the third thing would be continue to surround yourself with great mentors. Don't try to do anything by yourself, whether it's being a husband, being a father, being a leader. There's always somebody else that's traveled this journey before you, and you just have to pause, um, take time to look around and see who's there that's willing to mentor you along the way. What what do you what as somebody that loves this country? What's the greatest thing to you about America in 2023? Uh, easily, the way we come together. I've been on trips where the president was going to visit um, hurricane damage in Arkansas, um, or tornado damage in Arkansas, hurricane damage in Florida, and I never forget when we were going there. In our mind, we're like. Golly, I feel so bad. We're intruding on these individuals. They just had this tragedy happen, and we're going to be there, you know, setting up communications for the president to show up. And then to talk to the people, like, we're apologizing. We're so sorry we're in the way. We have to do this. And to first hear the people say, we're so glad that you're here. The fact that you're here lets us know that we're not going through this by ourselves. The second thing that I saw, which was amazing, was, in the midst of the tragedy, how the whole community came together, right? Didn't matter um, race, color, age. Everybody in that community was helping each other. And for me, it's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing to see it. I saw it in the military, but then also saw it on the civilian side, where even in the midst of tragedy, uh, Americans come together to support each other. So ultimately, everyone out there has a perception of you. There's different pockets, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you are in control of your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? 
I think that I am a leader who was put on this earth um, not to gain a lot of selfish, selfish things, but to help those around me accomplish whatever goals they have. I mean, I've always lived my life that way, and it's always worked out for me. So, Daryl, if anyone out there wants to learn more about you, your fascinating story, anything revolving around your world, where can they go on the web? Um, probably the best way you can find me on Facebook under Alliance Seminars Coaching. And then you can also go to the website, which is um, AllianceSeminars.org. And basically, you just see all the services that I provide as a keynote speaker, um, as a coach, as well as a facilitator. Wonderful. Daryl, this has been great, man. Thank you so much for opening up your very rich and wonderful story and continued success with everything. Thank you so much for having me. I love sharing the story. I always want people to know that however things may look right now, that's only temporary. Um, they still have a lot of life left ahead of them. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.